Goodnix explores the journey and meaning of doing good in the world. I get to choose every day when I wake up whether I'm going to work for a Fortune 500 and make a ton of money or work for the movement that is the arc of moral justice. But I realized that I also had an obligation to weaponize my privilege. One day we said, okay, if the city's not going to do it, the state's not going to do it, if some large corporation's not going to do it, why not us? And if there were enough of you, if you were organized enough, if you were loud enough, it would be too difficult for them to ignore you. Good Nix, created by Jeff Leitner, hosted by Annalisa and Relay, available everywhere you listen to podcasts. Neely, I have two problems. What are those? I really love the show on professional development, and I have a big blank spot on my chest where my shirt is. First of all, the first one doesn't sound like a problem. I mean, it's so much love, I can't contain it. And you also have, what, a blank spot on your chest? Yeah, where my shirt is. You never grew chest hair? Obviously not. Oh, I know what you should do. You should go to this link in the show notes and get an unprofessional development t-shirt. Yes, that sounds like exactly what I needed for this premise. So boys and girls, we have t-shirts. We have magnets. We have buttons. Show your unprofessional love. That way you'll get to know who your fellow unprofessionals are when you're walking down the hallway and go, oh, you listen to that too? Be an unprofessional representative. Welcome, friends, to a very comedic episode of Unprofessional Development. I'm Tedisco. And I'm Mealy. And today we have with us um, Rebecca Kaplan. You might know her from the Twitter or her uh, her Glass House's um, comedy show or wh- whatever, the, the YouTube and lots of places. So anyway, um, I kind of met her through um, a guest that I am still stalking and still hasn't appeared. Our, our friend <laughs> Kevin Burke, who hopefully is um, <laughs> listening to this. But anyway, found that she has some teaching association. And, and by the way, if someone is funny and they have like and they are like teaching adjacent, come on the podcast. OK, that's that's, <laughs> that's how we do it here. So we like to always give our, our guests like a little prompt, Rebecca. So I decided to go with today. Describe your association with education, like catalog items for a high-end boutique or for Etsy. So just kind of just describe your, your education journey with whatever things that you associate with things like that. Yeah, I just tutor kids K to 12 and basically any subject. So um, I don't know if that belongs in a, a high-end boutique, but um, <laughs> yeah. And I uh, also uh, tutor adults in like uh, just any programs they want to learn for like work or hobbies like Excel and Final Cut Pro. Okay. Okay. Cool. You're taking requests in the Epsi website. That's what's happening. Yeah. So so it's just commissions. Awesome. Yes. Whatever, 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 whatever you want, you describe it and, and, she, and she will make it. Okay. Awesome. When, when awesome. did you start tutoring? basically as soon as I graduated college. Okay. How do you find your customers or how did that happen? Or were you just like going on like various social media or next door or something like that, or just word of mouth? When I first started, I was going through Craigslist. Oh, there you go. Good old Craigslist. And I ended up doing some like very weird things. Uh, Like (laughs) there was one, I like showed up to this like office space and they said that they wanted me to teach everyone like adobe premiere and indesign and i get there and it's just like there's just grammys in the uh, office and they like made me sign an nda so i can't tell you which grammy winning artist nice office it was uh but you know it it uh 
maybe uh, rhyme with like fiance, but um, okay. she wasn't there. It was just her office. Um, and then they uh, didn't pay me. So I, f- I feel like that voids the NDA, right? Like if you don't. If yeah, that, that, does, that does void the NDA. Yes, yes, yes. I, yeah. I, I think there'd be plenty of lawyers be willing to take your case and defend that when um, this leaks out over the super popularity of, of our podcast. Wow. Yes. So, okay. Did the, but did the people actually able to learn though? And everything, everything went well. So I, I assume you went to school for some kind of computer programming or, or um, IT or something like that? Um, no, my degree is in creative writing and journalism. Interesting. Okay. But then you just have like a lot of skills that you can um, teach to other people. Like, you know, there are a bunch of adults out there that don't know basic computer programs like Microsoft Word and Excel. And they need, you know, just want to learn them for work or people that want to learn like design programs for like a hobby or for work, like, mm-hmm. yeah, uh, or like video editing programs. So I would think a big challenge of that is maybe helping develop their confidence because a lot of programs, like for us that have used the Microsoft suite and now the, the Google suite for years, it's like, uh, you point and you click and you look at the drop down box and you just do the thing. And when so, it doesn't do the thing, you Google how to do the thing. That's true. Exactly. Exactly. So is a lot of it overcoming fear of the computer itself? Yeah, probably like 50% of the people that I work with just have a real like mental block with the computer. I mean, um, like everyone's always like really ashamed to be mm-hmm. where they're at with like the computer. And it's like, yeah. no, I mean, first of all, it's never shameful to not know something. Right, um, right. It doesn't matter how you ended up where you are. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, just wanting to know, I think is, but yeah, everybody thinks that they're the only one. And it's like, no, it's not only older people. It's also people that in their like twenties or thirties that just, just never were interested in like sitting down with a desktop computer. I think like a lot of people get too busy. If you're if you have like a, a a job with like a lot of hours, it's actually harder to take the time to like figure stuff out on your own with like Google, especially if you only need to know a very specific workflow mm-hmm. and you don't necessarily need to learn the entire program. Yeah, that's true. I like yeah. what you said too about the mental block. Yeah, because that happens to my students all the time too. It'll be like writing an essay or or just writing a paragraph, and some students will just stare at their their computer and just be like, "I don't even know where to begin." And some of them yeah. just need that starting point. Yeah, yeah, for sure. You know, I think kids get ashamed if they feel like they're stupid compared to their peers, and adults do too. It yeah. never really goes away. Oh, definitely. Oh. That's what I tell kids all the time, and we actually have to tell teachers this and it's like a running joke on this show there'll be literally teachers that will come in these kids don't know anything and you're like uh, yeah that's actually why we have a job like that's, <laughs> if they knew it what would we need us for like we're supposed to actually yeah. help them learn things so what a shock they don't know this thing that you want them to know i tell my kids all the time like yeah we don't have a class on lunch because you can figure that one out on your own Yes. But we need a class in English because this is hard. I yes. struggle. Yeah. It I is also- the little things. I was having them do something and I was showing them something in Google Drive and I was having them create like a little place for notes and stuff like that. And the kid's like, I can put a folder inside a folder. 
And I'm like, yes, you can. Like, and the what? matrix opened up. Yeah, they, and they were time just like, slowed. Exactly. They had no. They had no idea that you could, that you could do that. And also with my students, I always point out to them that uh, a thing that not enough people realize: English actually has more words than any other language on the planet. Wow. I thought it was German. Okay. No, because English is a mixture of so many different languages, which is why we have like five, 10 words for everything, right? Mm Because we have, we're based in, uh, you know, old German and we have a word based in French and a word based in Latin. And and so when we run into words we don't know, I'm like, yeah, guys, no one knows these words. Like no one, you don't ever need to know this word. It's just here. Don't feel dumb. Just look it up. It's fine. You'll need it for the wordle eventually. Okay, you definitely. Well, if it's five letters, yes. (laughs) I I think this was like really useful to me. One of my uh, like my favorite, like my ninth grade English teacher, would actually like go and like give us vocabulary words, and he would like break down. He like gave a tip that um, I thought was really interesting that. Latinate root, root words tend to have like be more cerebral and like not sound as directly connected to like what the um, word is, whereas like words that have a Germanic root tend to be more viscerally connected to like what the word, like what the thing that the word is sounds like it should be. Yeah, like like the word autopsy is is Latin and it actually just means to see for yourself, auto and opt. But the word goose means goose. It's a nice German word. Yeah. Or like cadaver is like the Latinate root of the word that means body, whereas like body is Germanic because it sounds very like. Yeah. Yeah. But, huh. I wonder but, if that's rooted in like academia versus do, like. The do you want me to tell folk. you? Do you want me to go yes. on this rant? Yes. Go on this rant. Right. Enlighten us. The crucible of, of the English language was in England. They had the Anglo-Saxons who spoke uh, like a proto-Germanic language. And so they were like the farmers and things. The royalty who had taken over all spoke French. Ah. So that's why a lot of our um, uh, judicial words and a lot of our culinary words come from French. Mm -hmm. So the Anglo-Saxons would call it a cow. But once you cook it up now, it is beef because that's nice in French. Mm -hmm. But the scientists across Europe all spoke Latin. So that's why they would do bovine studies, which is why we have three words for a thing that just goes moo. Nice. We could have called it a moo. We could have gone Pokemon rules, but no, we got to call it cow beef bovine. I like yes. That's why English is too many words. Oh, okay. No, Milkis, I choose you. Bill Bryson has some uh, interesting books about like linguistics and the origins of English and then American English. If anyone's interested in reading, Bill further. Bryson, I got to check those out. Yeah, nice. All right, Becca. So you do stand-up comedy, which is yeah. bold. I would never be so bold. Yeah, as, both as Disco student. and I are both in the. Um, we we've thought about it eight million times and watched it a, a, a gazillion times. And um, even, and I don't think this means that I'm that funny. I just think it means that I just like ramble a lot. I agree Jessica, that you're not that funny. I'm not that funny. Jessica, <laughs> how many times have some, has someone told you, why don't you do stand-up comedy? Not as oh. much as I would have liked. Okay. People tell me that a lot. <laughs> I, <don't> <laughs> I want to hear it more. Yeah. I've been told a bunch. I'm like, oh, but like, okay, like being funny in a moment or like coming up with a funny thing to say is different right. from like, because when you do stand up, it's like in a vacuum, right? Like it it's is. 
Just you, like Rebecca, do you do any crowd work or do you go up and do your set? I do some crowd work. So like that, I think I could do because like I can interact and like bounce off of people, but like like only in the moment. So like what was kind of the learning curve like and, and how long have you been doing stand up? I've been doing it for a few years. I think everybody has like a different like level where they're at. People tend to either be naturally better at writing or performing and then have to like struggle more to get better at the other thing. Mm-hmm. I think like a hundred open mics is like the point where you're over like the natural learning curve. I mean, you know, that's gotta be t- so tough. That's, that's, though. that's a lot of, that's a lot of open mics to, to just feel like you're not quite sure what you're doing. And if this is actually like the right thing to do, I don't want people keep stats on that, but I would guess that it's like an exponential decay of, of the amount of people that, that, that have done it. Is there a crucial point where people get like to maybe I've done like 20 and even though I'm not good now, I'm at least good enough to where I'm ready to do the next 20 or where, where did you, where did you feel like, okay, I'm, I'm ready to keep, I think I can keep doing this and keep on like actually getting better. To be honest, I think like most people that end up succeeding in standup just have such like blind confidence that <laughs> they either like never feel like they're bombing Mm-hmm. Or maybe they're aware that they're bombing and they're just like, oh, this was just like a bad crowd or I just did like whatever I can do better next time. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, there are also people that are aware that they're bombing and like don't know how to get better and just keep doing it anyway. And that's not my jam personally. Like, I I don't know. You're not a big Uh, fan of bombing? Well, I I just... um. (laughs) I was going to just say, I was, I was trying to think what comedian I should insult and say, that explains how so-and-so got a special. They just kept on <laughs> bombing. But but if you bomb enough, eventually you find like, you know, 50 or a thousand or, or people that, that like you. And then you, then you, then you actually are a successful comedian, even though you're only moderately funny. But anyway, go, go ahead. Well, if you, if you find at the point that you've found a thousand people that, that really like you enough to go watch an hour of your comedy, then I, I think you have succeeded and you are funny, just maybe like not to everybody's taste. That's okay. I'll give you that. I'll give you that. I, I think it's like in, in just really subjective and there's no right answer about when you should stop trying to do it. I think just uh, at the point when you feel more discouraged by it than the amount of like joy that you're getting out of it would be my personal opinion but obviously there are people that don't follow that rule and <laughs> i don't know what they're getting out of it to each their own i would think similar to teaching like i didn't become a teacher till i was 41 at some point i would imagine with, with comedy i would think would be similar in the fact that you can't not do it if you if it if truly it's what you're supposed to be doing then you're not happy if you haven't performed in in a while would you, would you agree with that yeah i i think that you should only do try to pursue stand-up if you feel like that strongly about it it's kind of like um i mean you tutor kids that just hate math and don't want to learn it and it's just kind of like well you know this is the way our society is set up you like have to uh, pass through 12 years of math. Once you're out of that, if you don't want to do math things anymore, you don't have to. I think like any artistic thing is like that without the 12 year requirement. Like if you try an open mic and you're not happy, uh, you can just stop doing it. And there's no thing of like, you try it once then you're like locked in for like a certain time period. 
it's a no commitment kind of thing at that point. If thing. anybody wants to try an open mic, just go for it. There's like literally nothing to lose unless you yeah. make people so angry that they beat you up. Right, right. Yeah, <laughs> yes, you lose your job because you have a lot of pro Hitler comedy or something like that. Yes, yeah. Right. If what you you have to say is something racist, then d- yeah, don't don't even don't do try that. the first open mic. I guess. Right. I yeah. did find a stand-up comedian who is a, a teacher who got fired for her set. But, you know, yeah, don't call a child out on stage. Like, that's that's a bad idea. <laughs> is that yeah. why she got fired? Yeah, she got fired for calling out a kid. So, like, she called out a student, like, by their exact name? Yeah. Yes. Yes. Okay, well, then, yeah, she shouldn't be fired. <laughs> <laughs> right. That, that's dumb. Yes, exactly. There are so many other names you could actually use and no one have any idea. Exactly. You know what I mean? And start with like, this didn't actually happen, but wouldn't it be funny if something like that, you know, I don't <laughs> and know. And then tell them exactly what happened. There you go. Yeah. Just wait. You have like a rotation of students, like wait until that one's been graduated for like four years. Right. Yeah. Right. It's still there. There's yeah. just a statute of limitations on some of those stories. I still don't know what to think about this. And I think it's strange. I'll, I'm curious your opinion, Rebecca, but I had a, a friend. He told me he was doing open mics. I'm like, oh, wow, that's brave of you. And that's really cool. I'm like, how much time did you spend writing your stuff? And how, do you, how what do you write? What, what's your comedy about? And he's like, no, I just do covers. And he would just. So he joke steals. He would just do like, yes. And this is back in like the 90s. So he would just like see someone's like, you know, HBO routine or. And I'm like, that is really weird. But he, but he said he was doing covers. That, that was, that's how he justified it. Rebecca, have you seen anybody do that? Yeah, I did a comedy festival a couple of years ago that it was like a competition. And the person that won, he was just apparently just doing uh, bits from like people's like serious XM obscure-ish comedy albums. The other comics on the show were just like, yeah, that's Bill Burr, that's uh, so-and-so, that's like... And then, yeah, he ended up winning. And then they told the festival organizer that he had like stolen uh, every bit that he did and he uh, had disqualified. But yeah, I mean, you have to wonder what, what you're getting out of that. Yeah. Even if you're getting laughs, I mean, you'd think that you'd want the pride in having written the material. Yeah. Their laughter yeah. is just confirming someone else is funny. Uh, maybe I'm gonna play a little devil's advocate here. I mean, there are people who get up and perform Freebird like all the time and people just cheer and scream for them or people who do comedic plays that they didn't write. I mean, I guess at some point you have to give some kind of credit. Hey, obviously, you couldn't go far, but if you're just in like your local like watering hole and you just get up and say, OK, I'm going to tell some I'm going to tell some jokes. I don't hate it, actually. You need a certain base level of talent to get up and sing Freebird. Yes. Yeah. But also, I think to tell. Being funny is what percent delivery. But I would argue that the percent that is like the crafting and the background is way more than just the delivery. Like a lot goes into that delivery. And on top of that, like perfecting that delivery requires them going through those sets over and over and over again and bombing with those sets until they figure out how to tweak them to make them good. And you're just kind of negating all that hard work by just taking the final cut and taking credit for it. Okay. Well, let's, we'll just agree to disagree. I mean, I don't think they should get paid, but I don't have a problem with them doing basically comedy karaoke is, is, is what is what that is. Somebody in New York City does run a comedy karaoke show. He calls it Joe Nice. That's cool. 
And people just get up and they just do other people's routines. Yeah, he has like 12 routines, like just programmed into a thing in like a teleprompter and you just spin a wheel and you get assigned one randomly. <laughs> yeah. And I would really hope it didn't land on Chris Rock. Yeah. <laughs> no, I don't think that would Mike, go over well. You don't want the Michael Scott um, <laughs> um, experience. Yes, no. I think like open mics are also a good like feedback gauge, uh, but you can like kind of do stuff in front of the crowd of people and see if like if it gets a laugh uh then you know to some degree it's like working and if it doesn't get a laugh maybe get to examine like why it doesn't to this go mentioned going to see um mike for which by the way again i'm jealous have you ever listened to his podcast working it out no i haven't so it's basically him and uh, and other comedians he shares material that he's working on and then they share material that they're working on and then they tweak it and all that kind of stuff they, and yeah just, they workshop it Right. And I, I like the nuts and bolts of that. Finding that word that makes it funnier or finding that turn of phrase that makes something like a, a C level joke to like a like a B plus or, or 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 A level joke. And I think as as teachers, that's something that I do a lot. I will try and like go, hey, I'm thinking about doing this lesson and I'm gonna have the kids do this. And then like other teachers, like, oh, have you thought about doing it like this, bouncing it back off? And I think that's something that as teachers, if we can, you know, we talked about like not being ashamed that you don't know something, not being ashamed that you're like, I don't know how to do something like this. And I've never done this before. Like, yeah, definitely. I think in terms of like stand up and teaching going hand in hand, if you have the ability to like explain things or concepts in a clear way to other people, I think that can definitely help in like writing stand up. Because I think like one thing that can make jokes not work is if you have like an idea that's clear in your head, but you haven't done a clear enough progression of how you got from like point A to point B. Mm -hmm. Yeah, because a lot yeah. of comedy is coming up with something. Like that. Speaking of Chris Rock, I um, remember him saying on like Oprah or somewhere, wherever, he's like, if I see it and it strikes me one time, that's OK. And if I'm talking to someone else and they're like, oh, yeah, that, that happened to me, too. And then I'm like, oh, OK, and if, if a third person says this is going on in my life or this happened with my accent. Then I go, okay, this is something that's at least universal enough that I can now make a joke out of it so that we all like know that we all, whatever right, goofy right. thing it is that, that, that happens that you can find that universal thing. Go ahead. Yeah. I think that's kind of the difference between, you know, being funny or being comedic, right? Like, like to do comedy, you really have to know why things are funny. Like to be funny, you just have to say something, have a certain delivery or a certain cadence that just blue, clicks blue, with blue, people. Blue, 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 blue. Uh, see that was that was funny right there. Nailed it. Uh, <laughs> what if I just pour ketchup on my head? I, I could do that. Yes, uh, the Nickelodeon gambit. But being able to break down exactly what about that is funny or comedic is is really what what separates someone who's funny from someone who you know could be a comedian, right? Yes. Is it funnier if it's mustard? Yes. Okay. How about ranch dressing? I'm pouring ranch dressing on your head now to disco. Okay. Depends on the context. Okay. <laughs> ranch dressing could be funnier. Are we on a ranch? We're on a ranch. Okay. Yes. Then then you nailed it. Yeah. It's time for you to get dressed. Here we go. Oh, <laughs> thank you. <laughs> I hope one day to be as funny as you feel you are. <laughs> thank you. I'm having a blast. <laughs> <laughs> So with your tutoring experience, have you had any any interesting stories that, that you've run into any times you've been, you know, trying to tutor somebody or and, and it's gone strange or haywire or wacky other than the um the not fiance that you worked with? 
Um, yeah, I think like uh, maybe the the grossest thing is I was um, working with this like twelve or thirteen year old kid, and he like didn't really know how to use a desktop as kids these days don't. Mm-hmm. And um, one day he just like his computer was shut off. I think it like crashed or something. And like he went to the bathroom and I just hit the power button to start it back up again. And computers like um, just will reopen the windows that you had open Aww. when they start up. And uh, it was uh, covered in pornography. And I like told a friend this after and I was like, how did this poor innocent child end up with all of this pornography on his computer? Like it's it's like a family shared computer. Maybe his dad was looking at it and she was like, no, it was definitely the kid. And he just wasn't aware that that would happen. I think that might've actually been what caused his computer to shut down. Yeah. Maybe. Um, (laughs) Yeah. Some kind of virus or something. Right. Yeah. Uh, I just like really quickly shut, closed every single window. And uh, then when he got out of the bathroom, I was just acted like nothing happened. Like happened. I love nice. how you have to say every single window. Like, right. Just <laughs> yeah, this it was deluge. There you oh, go. that's awful. Yeah, it's pretty unfortunate. Um, and there was like another time <laughs> when uh, this like older man that I was helping with just basic computer stuff. He was having a problem with his browser and I was like at the stage like, okay, let's clear the cookies. Like let's reset your browser history. So I I opened his browser history and it was just full of like very explicit searches and I didn't want to see like Mm -hmm. them. I couldn't Mm -hmm. not. And I just- You can't unsee them. No. Yeah, I just paused for a second and then I deleted it and didn't say anything. (laughs) Does any of that stuff like wind up in your in your act, or do you not want to bite that hand that feeds you? <laughs> yeah, no, I don't like to write stuff about tutoring students because I'm very like paranoid that like, if they should hear it or see it, the kid would like the porn that happened like some number of years ago at this point. So it's it feels like uh, the statute of limitations has passed on that mm-hmm. one. Yeah, I wouldn't like want to put my professional like at risk over stand up until I'm at the point where somebody is handing me a check for like a uh, uh, hundred thousand dollars. Right, right. That'll also be nice. Yeah. Well, how much the other way around does like your comedy enter into the tutoring? Um, keep it pretty professional, and especially if a, if it's like a kid. Like I feel like once you get a little bit off topic, they'll just take that inch there's like a delicate balance of injecting humor into stuff like quick joke comment to keep them interested but Mm -hmm. yeah you have to know know, like when to joke and when to not yes yeah and i I don't know if i've found like the perfect balance of of that but yeah me neither (laughs) yeah i know i haven't i know that i haven't i know that i've um definitely there are days where i am too far off into um into 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 silly land and then i'm like okay all right we gotta we gotta do some math before we before we leave here because mr mealy just can't act like an idiot the whole time so you gotta learn something so i think like kids like it when you get on their level a bit and just acknowledge that like some of the things they're doing are just like unfair and frustrating Mm -hmm. yes Mm -hmm. yeah the dynamic i try to go for a lot is not me forcing the content down your throat but you and me versus this content that maybe at some point neither one of us actually 
finds value in, but we have value in getting through this level and getting and getting to the next level. Yeah, I think if you can like also provide a, a real world example of like why you would need to use the thing, that's like good to know. But yeah, if there mm-hmm. if it is just something where it's like, yeah, this is just for like a dumb standardized test or whatever. Right. We just have you to know, do trig now. Pythagorean theorem, you can use it to figure this out. I'm like, yes, you could. Yes, you could. I can just Google Pythagorean theorem calculator and there's two boxes and it'll tell me what the other side is. So I don't need to work at a tape measure. We'll get a tape measure. Yeah. I mean, that was, that was for me, definitely the point that I like mentally checked out of high school math. (laughs) Um, Greg is where I maxed out. Yeah. Yeah. Algebra makes sense. Mm-hmm. Because like there are cases where you need to use that, but I mean like there's really no practical you know, application for trigonometry at all. Yeah, it's it's in it's, in like ninety percent of people's lives. Right. Yeah. It probably might be ninety five percent, and the and the other five percent have a have a um a software program that they use to do it. They don't have to know all of the the, the rules or the laws or whatever. You know, I mean, they just go they as just opposed to uh, interpreting Shakespearean poetry, which we we constantly do on a daily basis. Of course. Yeah, of course. I, I mean, I was iambic pentametering yesterday. So, I mean. <laughs> well, I guess like I enjoy interpreting archaic language and I don't enjoy uh, doing like Soka Toa. Yeah, right. But yeah, it's thing, like I, I enjoy it, too, but I have plenty of students who hate it. And for them, I have to go like, yeah, you're going to hate this, but yeah. you got to do it and you can do it. But, and you know, and see, I'm weird. I like um, doing trigonomic identities where it's like sine squared over secant squared minus cotangent squared equals. Um, I got a stomach you know, ache. T- equals tangent squared um, times, um, you know, cosecant squared. It's very puzzly and it's very fun. And I just, I just enjoy doing this stuff. Yeah. yeah that's but, part of the joy of, um, of not being in school is that there's no one forcing you to do anything. And I can read Hamlet for fun. You can do trigonometry for fun. Mm-hmm. And if there's somebody that enjoys neither of those, they can play video games. Right. Exactly. Exactly. I will say quick shout out here. I, I love board games. I have a, a personal board game collection. We just hit our 70th board game. Wow. Yeah. So uh, we got this recently got this board game called the parlor game, mm-hmm. and it's the same rules as cards against humanity. There's black cards. So they'll give you a setup with a blank and you have seven white cards in your hand. You got to put one down, except all the white cards are just out of context. Shakespeare quotes. Oh, wow. And I die laughing every single time I play this game. Are you going to play it with your with your class? No, because no. I don't need to tell them what those words mean. Ah, let's okay. just go. What is very solid flesh? Nothing. Ah, it's body, as the kids say, right? Must be a finger. Yes. Yeah. I was reading um, an S.E. Hinton book with a student. He was struggling in reading. And like, I think he, his school just like was like, you can read just any book. And I was like, I like S.E. Hinton. The she wrote The Outsiders? Like, yeah. Okay. Yeah, she wrote okay. The Outsiders. I think it was the sequel to The Outsiders. Uh, that was then. This is now. Mm-hmm. Okay. I don't know that. Um, I and Outsiders. I hadn't read that book in like years. So I didn't really remember the contents at all. Just that mm. it's like a, it's like a hundred page, like eat pretty easy read. 
And as we're reading through, I was like, oh no, this like um, content (laughs) is like much too like mature for like a a 13 year old reading that alone is like fine. But it felt like really strange to be like, okay, I'm like the adult and I picked this book to read like with you. Like we were reading it out loud chapter by chapter. Mm -hmm. Um, And then like it got to like one thing where like the kid is, um, in a drugstore and like picks up a a skin mag and he looks at me and he goes like what uh is that and I was just like uh I like uh I I don't know it's um it's a magazine with uh inappropriate pictures (laughs) um it was like uh I don't know obviously dermatology um Thank you. Um, well, I, I just was like, how do I describe this concept to a Gen Z? So I, I think I just said like, um, you know, how there are pictures online. Well, before the internet, they were printed on paper and sold in magazines. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? And he was just like, oh, yeah, I get it. Um, yes, I do. And and I'm I also having problems it. with my computer, if you could help. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, I like that was just like really awkward to explain like what <laughs> porn magazines were uh to a kid yeah. and also realizing that like the concept of a porn magazine was like completely foreign to like his generation no, yeah the world it is a change in what, what the kids don't know all, all the time yes yes awesome well um we'll have the links to all of um rebecca's stuff in the um show notes if anybody wants to hear some of my stand-up you can like go to my twitter instagram at rebecca t kaplan and i have uh links to it on my the link tree in my bio rebecca we just thank you for your time we appreciate you coming out and getting a glimpse into the world of both tutoring and comedy and so teachers that are listening that are thinking about comedy feel free that you can go into it and know that you know basically it's essentially um the same thing as being a tutor it seems is that that right no (laughs) yeah the crowds are a little harsher yes yes and by the way everyone has free license if you want to go do cover comedy and you want to pour ketchup on your head that's fine with me i I, you don't even need to attribute it to me okay just go ahead and do it I don't know why things like that make me laugh to this good what they do. I don't know either. (laughs) Oh, nice. Yeah, I mean. Is there there a technical name for that kind of comedy, Rebecca? Bad. um, I think it's uh, like slapstick or or vaudeville, vaudevillian. Mealy would be a great vaudevillian act. You'd be, yes, you'd be, you'd have the spinning bow tie and be saying the corniest jokes. I mean, and I imagine you'd have a trained dog around your just feet. Just think Gallagher. Like, and then he, he did, sold that act to his brother, he, which is still one of the funniest things. I've. He, that's the funniest thing about Gallagher. Let's he be honest. Needed, but he needed a new thing. So he needed a new thing. What if he just went around and poured ketchup on the audience's head at, at the end? That would be like, you know, that would be make it even better. Did they find the fruit funny? They did. I've yet to find anybody who actually, like, people were at his shows. Yes, he, he sold out, like. 10,000 seat places. He did other stuff. That was just at the end. He had like actual bits that he did. Let's be honest. This is really just a plan for him to make more cash because he could also just sell smocks up at front. Yeah. And and that's where the real money was. That's where the real money is. Yeah. People like had like big plastic tarps when it came down. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Because I've watched way more Gallagher than you would. Come for the ponchos, stay for the comedy. It is what it is. All right. We thank you again, Rebecca. And we just thank all of you guys for listening. Um, we love you guys. Um, 
Make sure, in addition to clicking on Rebecca's stuff, that you're telling your friends about Rebecca and you're telling your friends about us and saying, oh, I just listened to this great podcast um, about teaching and you should listen to it too. And as we always say at the end, stay unprofessional. Thank you and stay unprofessional. Stay unprofessional. Stay unprofessional. Stay unprofessional. unprofessional.